Hello, this is Renee Marie Stefano checking in with the Healthcare Revolutionaries podcast. I'm founder of Healthcare, Healthcare Revolution and also Global Healthcare Resources, where innovation meets disruption in the healthcare benefits and insurance space. Uh, this series of podcasts is bringing fireside chats with thought leaders, pioneers, change agents, and those leading the charge to revolutionize healthcare delivery. So I'm here today with Pat O'Brien. Pat is the executive director of the Greater Orlando Division of Normal and founder of Learn Sativa University. Welcome, Pat. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to, to be here, and I appreciate you inviting me. Uh, well, we're happy to have you, and we are very interested in this uh, Learn Sativa University enterprise of yours. Um, could you give us a little bit of background and the inspiration behind the university? Absolutely. So the idea all stemmed from uh, basically me training individuals to uh, get into the industry. But the uh, main problem behind getting into this industry is oftentimes people have to, you know, go about doing illegal things in order to acquire the knowledge, or at least that was prior to uh, Learn Sativa. And of course, there is Oaksterdam over in California, these legal establishments that uh, educated people on the subject and kind of created a barrier or, or eliminated that barrier between the future employer or investor or partner, business partner. It, it got rid of the seed that uh, oftentimes would be placed when discussing how they acquired their knowledge. So instead of saying, you know, hey, I've been growing for, you know, six months in my backyard or six years, now they can say they went to a location, uh, a legal uh, location, and acquired the knowledge the right way. Uh, well, I think I should also clarify, we are talking about marijuana. We're talking about medical marijuana oh, versus yes. recreational marijuana. And um, Pat is, um, he is as executive director of Greater Orlando Organization Normal, it's a nonprofit uh, non public interest uh, lobby group to legalize marijuana. Um, so Correct. this is a very interesting topic, particularly coming from um, our space and looking at the employer space and the impact of legalization of uh, marijuana and the potential for employees to be utilizing marijuana while at work. So if we could talk a little bit about how you see that controversy, that would be very, very interesting. Okay. So in regards to, <laughs> I mean, anytime you bring up the subject cannabis or marijuana, uh, there's just a huge stigma attached to it. Uh, it. Regardless of where you're sitting, it's just one of those things that's very taboo to speak upon. Um, as you can imagine, uh, um, I'm in a business environment. Uh, and I mean, I have numerous executive uh, uh, relationships throughout other industries that are looking at me kind of like, Pat, what are you doing? I mean, I'm very successful of what I did prior to this. Um, I've always been in the cannabis industry in regards to, you know, my passion, but that wasn't something I could really come out of uh, the closet with as a, a, until at least recently. Um, so this is a transition that I'm experiencing myself. Uh, I'm now experiencing just how taboo uh, cannabis is, but I'm also starting to learn how accepted it is. For instance, there are a number of individuals that are actually benefiting from cannabis 
and you wouldn't know otherwise. Uh, a lot of people have kept this under wraps. I mean, people that, for instance, uh, being in the medical field, a lot of the listeners probably listening to this podcast right now can relate to uh, back pain, um, or at least they understand the industry. And they would understand that back pain alone pulls in about $50 billion a year for treatment, for just back pain alone. Now, what we're starting to see with opiates and things of that nature is that we're starting to 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 see just the negative effects that those have on individuals. And so we're starting to see, you know, laws put in place. So these people that have been taking opiates for, you know, for years and years and years, they're starting to have to look for alternative healing uh, uh, medicine. And, and cannabis is is a real contender here. I mean, this is this is something that has zero side effects. I mean, of course, you might take a trip to the fridge, but uh, it really does not have any side effects in regards to harming individuals quite like these other, you know, prescriptions on the market right now. Well, I love the fact that you described yourself as always passionate about um, cannabis. I, I think that's really interesting. And there's probably a lot of people that would support that same thought process. Um, however, I, I have to say, um, you know, when we look at some of the corporate wellness programs and health and well-being programs that are being put in place and the massive impact that addiction and recovery um, has, you know, in the workplace, meaning the, the negative impact that addiction has and the need for recovery programs. How do you see that as interrelated? Don't, don't you think that, that to some extent people see that, um, you know, cannabis is just a replacement for opiates and, and, and all of it is just not really addressing the mental health, uh, the underlying mental health issues or perhaps other alternative means for um, pain reduction, like in the example that you gave? To be honest, for anybody to ever compare uh, compare cannabis to an opiate or hell, even ambient, uh, would be one of the most foolish uh, things an individual can do. Uh, the side effects that these other, you know, prescriptions and things that that we were seeing that were accepted in the workplace, uh, those have done more harm than. Uh, uh, there's a list I, I, that we could go through in regards to the, the amount of harm that they've done. But what have what has cannabis done to anybody in regards to to real harm? I mean, there there are no reports. There are journals, uh, of course, here in, in uh, the United States. This is really one of those things that hasn't been quite researched because it has been federally illegal. So we have not been able to to do the proper research. However, this this product has been around since I, I, I mean, if we go back in history around Egyptian days, um, it has been an alternative uh, healing uh, uh, option uh, for quite some time. And there is no reports that state um, that this product would otherwise harm an individual uh, aside from from the typical standard, you know, we always joke about uh, side effects. And to be honest, a lot of people, I think this is where a lot of people get uh, confused. Cannabis and medical marijuana, um, for instance, there are different cannabinoids that react to your, to your receptors. For instance, when we're discussing medical marijuana, you have THC, you have CBD. Those are the, the most commercially 
mainstream uh, cannabinoids that we know of as of right now. And for most people, they don't realize that CBD has zero side effects or uh, mind-altering effects at all. All it does is eliminate uh, the inflammation that is otherwise caused by a number of other stressors, and it, it just reduces that. So you have the ability to relieve pain or, um, for instance, you know, a good, probably a and I don't like using this example because I'm not the type of guy that likes pity or anything like that. But currently my mother's going through chemo as we speak. And um, the one thing that we have noticed, and we don't know if it's killing cancer or anything along those lines, but what we have noticed is it gives her the ability to eat. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever witnessed uh, an individual going through chemotherapy, but it is one of the most... Um, dark times an individual can go through in their life. Um, what happens is these individuals are so nauseous from these treatments that they don't have the ability to eat. And that alone allows them, for instance, if, if they can't eat, their, their muscles are just going to eat themselves. Um, but with what cannabis has allowed us to do thus far is provide the nutrients necessary for her to continue the fight. And uh, as of uh, this week, she will be going through um, her, her final treatments, and we're, we're really excited to see what cannabis has done for her thus far. Well, I, I wish you the best for her recovery. Um, I think that, you know, what you're talking about, I, I really believe in that. Um, I've personally seen the effects, the positive effects of um, utilizing cannabis for, um, you know, accompanying treatment with chemotherapy. So I would agree with you there. I think we do need to look at the, the the larger majority of people that are using it are you know are, are not necessarily cancer patients. So I want to hone in a little bit on what you anticipate, what you see as a more innovative or disruptive way to you know promulgate education, um, and, and perhaps this is through the university, or perhaps some some of this is through the work with um, the organization Normal. But how do you foresee um, the needs of employers to, one, understand how this becomes part of their everyday workplace and, and, and what they should do um, to educate themselves, be prepared for that, um, educate their HR executives, but I think as well, educate their entire employee population who may end up having, um, you know, falling into this lack of understanding and stigma. Is that something that you see either of the organizations, um, you know, that you're affiliated with contributing to? At the moment, we are currently working very hard. We, we've been working with the Department of Health, or at least in discussion with them. We've been working with a numerous amount of other organizations to become the standard for the industry um, in regards to education and at least a okay this is a good example that a lot of people um can relate to i mean or maybe not it, we'll, we'll see here uh the food industry that is a huge industry it is regulated by a private company known as ServeSafe. or for instance if you work in a warehouse you have osha we are looking to be the ServeSafe and osha of the industry for the cannabis industry that that way individuals that have no clue what's going on uh, in regards to the cannabis plant, they can go and turn to us for answers in regards to how can we allow this in our workplace um, 
while still maintaining, you know, control. And uh, a lot of times I, I think people kind of, they put too much thought into the cannabis plant. They put extreme amounts of thought into it and it's, it's just not needed in regards to the workplace. People on a daily basis, uh, I, alcohol is a very popular, um, basically a, a, a remedy or a nightcap prior to going to bed. But does that affect their workload? Does anybody ever really, I mean, of course, there are certain cases where you have individuals that take it too far, but that's, that's in anything, right? I mean, that's, that's just about one of those things that uh, some individuals, unfortunately, have a very addictive personality, and those individuals have to be treated completely different. It's not because they like alcohol or they like cannabis. What they need to be treating is the, the psychology of that individual having an addictive personality at the end of the day. It's not about prescriptions. It's not about uh, uh, recreational. It's, it's simply about that individual. And if that's what we're looking at in workplaces, it's not about what that individual likes to do or how they remedy uh, pain or anything in that regard. It's the psychology of that individual. Do they have an addictive personality or not? That's what needs to be addressed in this industry um, when we really when we really actually take a moment, step back and look at it. All right. So walk me through then. What is a typical education that one can gain at the Learn Sativa University? And, and who are the students? Who are the appropriate students? OK, so the appropriate students would be any individual looking for a career in cannabis. We have three main courses that we we really offer everybody goes through the the four-week program or we also have a one-day program because uh as of lately we have people coming from brazil puerto rico uh canada all over the the world for these classes so it's actually a melting pot it's <laughs> i'm blown away each week i have everybody before we start the class uh raise their hands in regards to anybody that drove over two hours or traveled over two hours and three quarters of the class <laughs> Uh, throws their hands up and it's I, I can't it, I can't describe the feeling it's it's amazing in that regard but uh, back to your question the the people that come to this class are individuals looking to be entrepreneurs individuals looking to treat common conditions uh, in these dispensaries oftentimes uh, we see a number of conditions and we actually have a tool that will teach you which cannabinoid will actually treat that common condition um, based off of dosages and things of that nature. And then we also, of course, have the class for uh, just patients in general, individuals looking for help. Um, so we really tailor to the individual that's just looking to get their foot in the door all the way to the individual that is looking to start a business, a very successful business. We've worked with license holders. Um, for instance, I have uh, the CEO of one of the largest uh, cannabis dispensaries flying in on the 27th to our school because they're hosting their job fair. They have over 27 dispensaries throughout the United States and they trust us to um, educate their staff. And I, I honestly, I'm honored by, by situations like that because these individuals, they, they have a pretty you know, significant responsibility here and they uh, trust us with educating their staff so they could pass that on to, you know, their patients or their, their, their consumers. So, okay, so where would 
um, an HR executive go to get the best understanding and best information about the industry um, from the perspective of you know, managing employees that may or may not be utilizing this for medicinal purposes? Visit LearnSativa.org. That's the best way, in all honesty, because what I do is for certain situations and, and certain cases, uh, especially for business-minded individuals or the medical side of things, I personally handle those cases myself, um, meaning I do one-on-one -on -one consultations with those individuals, and we make sure you're pointed in the right direction. There are so many articles out there, so many Facebook posts, and so much news out there that's just, it's not accurate. And that's what's really troubling in this industry is nobody really knows what gray line to walk because as we know, it is still federally illegal um, for now. And you will be walking a gray line to walk uh, work in this industry. Hell, to even take part in it in regards to the med uh, medical side of things. Um, so it's really just important that you understand you know, what gray lines to walk and you got to weigh out those those options after you're educated on them, you have to weigh those out for yourself. Right, and I think there's a lot of considerations from an employer's perspective. I mean, obviously many of them are, uh, or majority of them are self-certifying as drug-free workplaces. Um, you know, they have mandatory random drug testing and I think this is all very much impacted by that and leaves a lot of unanswered questions. Um, so what do you see, uh, you know, in the next three years, what are you seeing as the next step for this industry? If you guys become the standard for the industry through the Department of Health, what does that look like to you? So to me, that would be individuals holding a certification uh, stating that they have been educated on the subject from a history standpoint, from a medicinal standpoint, and from a safety standpoint. We still have people smelling out of jars. <laughs> this is one thing that just drives me insane because if you take a step back and you really think about it and you look at some of these conditions that are out there in regards to uh, HIV, AIDS, the common flu, things of this nature, we have people smelling out of jars and then passing that on to the next individual. We have to stop this way of thinking. We are not, you know, smelling out of our buddies' bags anymore. Um, at the end of the day, th there has to be a procedure put in place, and that's what we're looking to do. We're building out that standard, and it's going to come with time. So in three years, we really look forward to seeing, um, well, as you know, 2020 is going to be a big year for, for a number of reasons. Uh, to get the voters out, I'm sure this is going to be used uh, in some political format or another. Um, but we're really starting to see some real shifts towards uh, it becoming legal recreational, uh, recreationally. But at the end of the day, we'd like to see this in a medical format because there needs to be uh, quality control put in place. That's not to say that mom and pop shops can't, you know, be open in the little boutique stores, but that product has to be tested. That product has to be handled in a way that the consumer knows they are getting, you know, zero pesticides, zero herbicides in that product. Um, and that's what we're really looking to do. That's what we see the industry heading is a standardized uh, 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 industry to be handled no less 
than at least food grade? Well, I think, you know, you are right. The industry itself has been quite glamorized. I mean, when we think of a lot of these dispensaries and a lot of the um, sensationalism that has been, you know, presented by the media, I mean, you're, you're picturing unicorns with colorful editables and gumdrops and, you know, a lot of happy people that has actually very, very little to do with the types of, you know, personal stories like you shared with your mom. And so, I, you know, what I would love to see is, you know, a, a different story, which is, you know, more related to um, fact-based, evidence-based, medicinal use, and, um, you know, less focused on the recreational side. But when you look at this as a $7.1 billion industry or more, um, and, and the amount of dollars and the way, you know, this is delivered like, um, uh, like takeout food, you know, I think that there is a need for standards, and I, I think what you're doing is, um, you know, very interesting. Um, as a professional development organization ourselves, I think education is key. I would love to see an opportunity where we, you know, develop some specific education um, for, you know, uh, employers and HR professionals to get a better understanding of it. Um, so, you know, thanks for your time and your opinions today. Um, we are having a mental health uh, and opioid summit uh, within Healthcare Revolution in Orlando, October 28th to the 30th. There will be a strong focus on um, addiction and recovery in the workplace. And um, I would encourage anyone who's interested in this topic to, um, to join us there at the Orlando Convention Center. Um, so uh, thank you so much, Pat O'Brien. I really appreciate your time. Uh, that's all for now. And this is Renee Marie Stefano checking out from the Healthcare Revolutionaries podcast.